Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm J.B. Shreve, and you're listening to the Faithful Considerations podcast, and this is part two in our series traveling through the book of Ephesians. Like I said in the last episode, Ephesians is one of my favorite books of the Bible, full of unique insight, perspective on God's view of life, reality, the church, a whole lot more. Hopefully, we'll look at all of that as we go through this series. Hopefully, you took up the challenge and are joining in this uh study of Ephesians by committing to reading through the book, just six short chapters each day of this month. And uh, I'd love to hear what you're what you're finding, what you're learning. You can post those comments in the comments section on our Facebook page with this uh, podcast post. These podcast devotionals on the walkthrough Ephesians are not a chapter by chapter discussion. You'll notice that today. I'm mainly just looking at the unique emphases, the, the high points that strike me as I read through the book this month. And I hope you're doing the same. I want to encourage you to subscribe to the blog at jbshreve.com for regular updates and notices whenever we post new podcasts or or articles there. Also, if you're reading through Ephesians with me this month and you want to go a little deeper into your personal Bible study, you feel the need to go deeper, I want to encourage you to head over to Amazon and grab my book, Understanding the Word of God. It's the first in a four-part series on some basic steps and tools for personal spiritual development. That book in itself or by itself will help you understand how to study the Bible. If you've always been curious, if you wanted to understand how the Bible was put together, things like that, that's a good one to start off with. I keep it priced pretty low, so you can uh, get that for yourself there. Um, I think that about does it. Let's go ahead and jump into today's podcast devotional and part two of our walk through Ephesians. So this episode is titled The Centrality of Christ, and it shouldn't be, unfortunately, it shouldn't be titled that. Again, a title like that takes us to our head. It takes us to something we've heard before, something somewhere along the way we've heard the term, probably if you've grown up in church, the centrality of Christ. And it makes us think we know what's being talked about. But again, like all religious things do, it misses the real point. Religion is the enemy. If It's the enemy of faith. It's the enemy of life. It's the enemy of truth, especially when you're reading through Scripture. So this phrase, the centrality of Christ, it actually should stun us. It should rattle us to a point of attention. If, if we really understood what it meant, that's exactly what it would do. To begin, we have to shake off the idea of Christ as just a historical figure, Christ was not Jesus' last name, believe it or not. It was a dimension, the Christos dimension. It was a dimension that he lived, he walked in, and also died and resurrected in. It's what he was, and that transcended this earthly dimension. When Paul wrote these words, I'm skipping over to Philippians 3, we get a sense of what I'm referring to here. In Philippians 3, verses 7 to 11, he says, But what things were gained to me... These I have counted loss for Christ. Yes, yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul is saying this is the real point of everything, the knowledge of Christ is. This is the pearl of great price. This is the thing that's worth everything for, worth losing everything for. 
This is the thing worth living and dying for. It's not a head knowledge. It's an experiential knowledge that we join in fellowship with. It, it changes the way we live. It changes our value systems. It changes our paradigms, everything. And it's not just salvation either. We don't just say a prayer and bingo, we have fellowship with Christ. It's a progressive thing, a journey. That's related, that's revealed in the next uh, word from Paul in that same passage from in Philippians, continuing at verses 12 to 14. He says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected. That's what he's saying here. But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. I'm still finding it. I'm still in progress. I'll spend the rest of my life going deeper and deeper into this mystery. The Christ that Paul writes about is so much more than the Christ we usually hold in our mind's eye. He's so much more than a man. The, the man Jesus was the, the revelation of God. The Christ made known to us. It was the finest revelation that God could give to us. But as with all things human, when we look upon Jesus, we often put our own assumptions, our own presumptions and interpretations of everything on him. And we put him in a box of definitions, a box of forms and meanings that keeps us from going further, going deeper. Now, one of the things I love about the book of Ephesians is how this reality, this vision of Christ really opens up to us. When we read Ephesians with an open heart and mind, it's difficult for our understandings of Christ to stand alongside what Paul writes about. It was for me anyways. Listen to this. Let me just read some passages to you from the first chapter of Ephesians. See if you hear the nature, the, the definitions of Christ differently, deeper, in a more deeper way than what you might normally hear. I'm starting here at verse 3, first chapter, verse 3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Do you hear that? He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He's not talking about heaven alone. This isn't just eternal life. It's not only the Holy Spirit. It's your spiritual victory over whatever you're facing in life today. It's the eradication of those stains on your soul that the journey of life and the, the people along the way, the memories along the way, they placed upon you. You have a spiritual blessing in Christ for the healing and cleansing. Every spiritual blessing and the heavenly places is ours. Not simply by prayer or by faith, but in Christ. Christ is the center of it all. He's what we're seeking. But I'm just getting started. Let's go on. Verse 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now, in the last episode, I talked about the plan of God. The centerpiece of that plan is Christ. Later in the book of Ephesians, Paul describes Christ as the cornerstone of everything that God is building. Here, our part in the plan was established in Christ. He's the centerpiece of your origin and your destiny, your purpose, your place. It's all centered in Him. Continuing, verse 5 and 6, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good, good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glory by his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Our acceptance, 
our favor, the pleasure of God. We locate all of these in the beloved, meaning Christ, in this verse. Verse 7 and 8, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence. We think we know what that means, but I encourage you, go deeper. Our redemption, restoration, forgiveness, the riches of God, they're all in Christ. Ephesians 1, 9 and 10, Having made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in Him. Guys, we're only 10 verses into this. And look at how much of this is centered in Christ. And it continues, as you grow through the book and just focus on the parts that talk about the centrality of Christ, you find so much. Perfection, maturity, peace, life, our authority, functionality, everything is based in Christ. He's the point. He's the objective. When we see it, it changes our prayers. It did mine. I want to see Christ. God, show him to me. Open my eyes to see. Rattle away my traditional, historical, religious assumptions. Let me see the reality of what and who he, the Christ, is. Because who I thought he was isn't enough. He's more. He's the origin point and the destination, the alpha and the omega, beginning and the end. And that's an easy prayer to pray and have faith for because it's totally in alignment to what God wants. When we get to the fourth chapter of Ephesians, we come to this famous verse that talks about the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, right? We all know about that. But listen to this. I want you to read the same passage of verses that most of us are familiar with, but notice the centrality of Christ at play here. Ephesians 4, starting at verse 11, and he, he's talking about God there, he, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the, and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth to the body for the edifying of itself in love. The idea of maturity and perfection is something God wants us seeking. And he gave us these dimensions of grace that we call the fivefold ministry, but their whole purpose is to bring us to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of Christ. And we know when we reach that standard that God's ordained because we grow into him, who is the head, the Christ, right? That's what he, that's what he wants us to reach. That's what he's, he's commissioned us. He's, that's the mission, is to reach that standard. This is powerful, life-changing, lifestyle-changing, focus-changing stuff right here. Christ is the be-all, the end-all of the Christian faith. When we see, when we set our eyes there, our prayers there, our hopes there, God's plan begins to unfold in our lives and in the world around our lives. 